0: Welcome back to Thrive! Today we're chatting with Tracy Wood, the President and CEO of Aleo Health Systems, which is a regional nonprofit hospice and integrated senior care service. She is the multi-million dollar organization's first female and African-American CEO, which is incredible. She's also the host of the podcast, Grave to Great, where she tackles what might feel like a tough, scary, or uncomfortable topic for many, death. And more specifically, the end of life, as so much of her work and life revolves around her role leading a hospice center. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And without further ado, welcome, Tracy.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you today and be on Thrive. Ooh, this is exciting.
0: (laughs) It is. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here because, wow, what wild times we are living in. Something like, oh my gosh, something like the end of life is unfortunately something that more and more folks seem to be facing or having to think about, but I love your perspective in helping patients and families alike. Uh, And I think it just really beautifully and ironically aligns with our goal of going from surviving to thriving here at Thrive. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Oh, thank you thank you yes it, we you know it is it 2020 has been a special year it will go down in the heaps for sure so anything that we can do to help patients families and our communities go from great to great it's it's our pleasure
0: amazing so kick us off by telling everyone a bit more about you uh your story and your work and what you do
1: well, you know, my goal has always been to change the way that people die in America and how they look at death. And um, I've been in healthcare all my life. I started off as a medical assistant working in pediatrics. And so getting to be for, on one end of life, um to the end of life, sharing those perspectives and views. It has been amazing. I've made many pit stops between those two times though. I've worked in um, finance and compliance and that compliance is really what landed me in end of life and in hospice. So I've owned my own hospice company and now here as the president and CEO of Aleo Health, it is just the honor and a privilege to continue to do the great work that is being done. That's
0: awesome. So how did you end up going from finance then to what you do now? Because that's quite a jump.
1: It is such a jump. It's such a jump. So, you know, back in the early 2000s, um, that's when compliance became to be really something that everyone had to hop in because of Enron, if you remember. And, um, and so I made the leap from um, fi- finance to compliance. And once getting into compliance and reading the patient chart in hospice, and um, it really, it spurred me. And, and I learned about my passion and, and knew that it, this is the work that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So um, I, it, it has been a weird kind of path, but I've landed where I'm supposed to be. And it's just been, it's 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 been great.
0: That's awesome. So I know so much of your work on Grave to Great focuses on really reframing the conversations about the end of life to focus on, you know, finding peace in really tough situations. And I love that because it doesn't negate or invalidate reality, which I feel like is a big misconception there. And it doesn't seek to really sugarcoat it at all, but it involves intentional choice and intentional perspective shifts which we talk a lot about here on Thrive. So can you walk us through some of that? Maybe for anyone listening who might have a family member or friend in hospice or who's nearing the end of their life, what tips do you have for you know reframing that conversation and helping bring peace in what is so, so, so hard?
1: You know, death is, is very difficult because it's the end of a cycle and everything in life has a cycle. Right. And, you know, we don't get to really choose when our cycle will end. We don't get to choose how it will end, but we can we get to choose how what's our perspective of it ending and our And our families and our friends around us get the chance to choose how it how that cycle ends at times um sometimes there's sudden death, and we have to work through that and understand and, and that's when you have to really rely on a higher your higher calling you know and if you know you're a person of faith, you need to rely on your faith to know and understand that everything has its time and right? and we don't get to choose that time. So I think, you know, I'm a person of faith and so many things have happened personally in my life that drives the work that I do, Um, but really understanding that we're all here for a specified time, but we don't know what that time is, but we need to make the best of the time that we have and make the right decisions and treat people well and enjoy and live every moment as if it's our last, because it could very well be, we don't know.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I'm a woman of faith too. Do you, do you approach it differently if you know your patient or the family you're talking to is a family of faith versus not? Because I know I'm with you where my faith has gotten me through every single hard moment in my life and all of the darkest moments and I could not imagine my life without it. Right. So it makes me think like, oh my gosh, it must be so different for people who don't have that faith component in their life Because then what are they, they're on their deathbed and what are, what are they thinking? This is literally like, this is it like, that must be so much more terrifying. (laughs) So how do you shift your perspective and the conversation you have Mm -hmm. with patients or families, if you know their faith background or not, or does that impact your conversation?
1: Well, you know, I think that our goal is always to meet patients and families where they are. Mm -hmm. Right. And you may have people that don't have that faith and, and don't believe but, you know, what you can do is talk to them about their life experiences and people can relate to their life experiences and how to to make those relationships good that you need to have good in your last days. You know, I've seen so many patients that needed to reconcile with a family member, whether person of faith or not. And so, you know, we we really work towards making sure that closure is there and that That everyone can have a peaceful um, transition.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. How can that also translate maybe to other conversations and other tough situations that maybe aren't necessarily about the end of life? You know, like what about the girl who just, you know, your best friend just had a miscarriage? or their mom unexpectedly passed away, or maybe the girl going through an unwanted or an unplanned divorce, you know, other undeniably tough, tough things that seem and feel and maybe are really final and maybe feel like death in a way. How can those conversations also be helped? And what kind of advice would you give for, for having those conversations for people listening?
1: Yeah, you know, I have, um experienced the, the death of a child my son died when he was a baby and you know of course that is something that is every mother's worst nightmare you know you no one no parent should lose their child Um and you know there's just so much to to reconcile through those things but there again it it, it is your faith and knowing that God doesn't make any mistakes and so you know, I, I've i had to think about several times, I, and this may not be the right way that I've re- reconciled this, but um many times I've thought about, hey, you know, maybe God has, you know, he saw fit to take my baby when he was a baby. So I wouldn't lose my child to uh, an incident with the police, mm-hmm. or I wouldn't lose my child to an accident later down the line. So, you know, I think everyone has to, you know, dig deep within themselves, but know that they still have people that love them and need them around them and they need all of them. And so I knew that my daughter, my older daughter still needed a mom, even though I had lost a son. And so she still needed me um, 100%. My husband still needed me to be his wife. My parents still needed a daughter. My brother still needed a sister. And so you have to think about all of the love and the support and the friends that you have around you and continue to live your life and work your way through it. doesn't mean you're not going to have sad days and it doesn't mean that you're you're going to just wake up every day and feel great, but you have to push through. And I think that's where you become great again. You go from mm-hmm. feeling great to great and it can be done, but you have to continue to to thrive and, and push through that and still know that you still have life. God has blessed you with life and we have every responsibility to live it to our best.
0: Oh, that was so beautifully said. And I wonder what what practically helped you through those times? And can you, if you're willing, walk listeners through the reality of what that felt like and what it actually took to push past that? Because I can relate to that a lot from our NICU journey, although we were lucky enough that Olivia made it, and I cannot fathom the pain that you were in in that time and the strength it took to push through that. Oh my God. So... I, and you probably too had people looking at you saying, you're so strong, you're so strong. And if it was anything like what we were going through, I'm sure it was 10 times worse where you were probably feeling like you were barely surviving. And the ha- having to push through was just, I can't even imagine. So what what did that actually look like for you? And how did you muster up the strength to keep going?
1: You literally barely find the strength to survive. I remember not being able to take a deep breath for months. Like, I felt like I could not breathe, like my life was coming to an end. And I used to go to the cemetery like every day, and which looking back was probably so unhealthy, but that was my way of coping then. And one day on my way back from the cemetery, I could, I literally just, I was heartbroken, felt like I had a weight on my chest, literally just heavy. And I pulled over. And I just stopped the car and I prayed and I just told God I couldn't live like that anymore. Like, I just cannot, um, I can't do it anymore. And I needed him to help me and, um, and that I needed to be a mom and I needed to be around the people that really loved and appreciated me. I needed to be there 100% for them. Um, I mean, literally like work. I mean, I couldn't work. I was just l- literally like paralyzed. And so just from that day forward, I I gained the strength and I, but I had to make a conscious effort every day, not to live in that space because it is so easy. I can tell you, I probably wore black for a whole year, just like subconsciously, um, And, but you know, and then a friend of mine was like, do you understand that you wear black every day? And so you like, you know, you have to really be conscious and listen, you know, your people that love you and care about you, listen to what they're saying and don't shut them out. And so um, I think that's it, is the family and friends that you have, you know, listen to what they're saying to you. They've been in your life all your life and they care about you and so they're the ones that are going to give you what you need to keep going. Mm-hmm. But if you block them out and isolate yourself, then you won't get that.
0: Yeah. Did you experience a period where you were just mad at God for for it? And do you see that at all with your patients where that becomes a part of the conversation too, where people are just really frustrated and living in that space of not understanding what's going on and needing to kind of help maybe yourself going through this and then also helping patients kind of reconcile that, especially if they are someone of faith where you're kind of like, all right, God, I'm pretty pissed at what's going on. (laughs) Like, I'm not okay with this. Like, and how do you, how did you get through that yourself? And then how do you help patients and their families go through that? If it's something especially more unexpected where you're like totally blindsided.
1: I think that it is perfectly normal to be, to question God. Some people, I mean, I definitely, I had so many questions for him and, you know, I don't know if I was necessarily angry for him because i have angry with him because I've always been really grounded in my faith, you know, grew up in church. and So I don't know if I was angry, but I knew that I had experienced this unbearable loss and, how, why, why did he do it? Not so much, um, why did it happen to me? But why did he do it in general? Um, and you really feel like you're the only one that this is happening to, you know? And then after you um, start opening up and having conversations, you realize that it's happened to so many other women and and so many other families. And I think, um, you know, I, I have a friend now that, um, her dad is going through, uh, he's, he has cancer and it's only like a 25% chance that he'll make it even with, with chemo and radiation. And, um, if he hadn't done anything, he, his percentage was zero. Right. And so, you know, she's really struggling right now and asking, you know, why, why is this happening? And 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 she is questioning God. But, you know, I think there again, that's when it comes. You have to really rely on people around you. So I talked to her a lot about, hey, well, look at the time that you've had your dad. You know, look at the experiences that you've had with him and the memories you get to share. So I think you know, I'm trying to take, trying to look at things from a positive perspective is really what can help people not be so angry with him.
0: And that's such good advice too because when we really think about it whether if someone is in hospice there's kind of that weird sense of knowing what's coming that yes. you don't necessarily get anywhere else in life and we could yes. all go we could all drop down tomorrow or die in our sleep and you really have no idea when your time is when your time is up so the the point of choosing your perspective of focusing on the good cherishing good memories and really like appreciating and embracing and cherishing every good moment you have with the people you love what good advice that we should all be taking all the time because you really never know what's next
1: a great friend of mine that um her son was killed he's only 32 years old and he was killed like six weeks ago and you know that's that is a traumatic thing for her. And, you know, so what we do when I talk to her is really think about the positive time the positive um, experiences, you know, from my understanding, she had had dinner with him that same night. So, you know, that is a, a beautiful time to remember. And so that is why it's so important to not sweat the small things with your your family and your friends and, and really embrace and cherish those moments because we truly don't know. Have so you think...
0: seen there be a difference in how people are able to cope with the hard things that are coming with the end of life, with death? Do you see a difference in how families deal with that when they are in a hospice setting and when there is kind of a known finish line to a certain extent versus when it is something sudden or unexpected.
1: Families grieve differently in every situation, whether there's hospice involved or not. I think that the great thing about hospice is that you have the professionals there to help guide the grief. Death brings many different emotions out of people, positive and negative, right? So families struggle that may have never struggled before. And when you have the hospice support there, the social workers and the chaplains and our specialized grief counselors on hand, even before the death to start working with families that are having uh, complicated grief, it makes the difference. So, you know... I've I've seen a a hundred times over that, you know, families always say, I wish I would have, we would have chosen hospice sooner Mm -hmm. because it's not just for the patient. The patient, yes, is getting the the medical support and emotional support, but the family gets it too. So it kind of helps the family transition along with the patient. So the experience is a lot different.
0: That makes sense. Switching gears to a totally lighter and different topic here, but Mm -hmm. what I also wanna talk about, since this is huge for you, you are obviously the company's first female and first African-American CEO, which is awesome. What sorts of challenges have you faced being both a woman in company leadership and also being a woman of color in company leadership?
1: Yeah, um, I think that, you know, being, Being a woman is, um, in in leadership, I think that women in general struggle, um, especially when um, you have to have conversations with with strong people from every different demographic, right? And so, um, and I think sometimes uh, women can be perceived as being weak and I've had instances just over my career where the com- I've seen conversations shift, um, where someone could be talking to me as a a woman and they're very domineering and, you know, forceful. But then if another conversation is really about the same thing, it'll take a different tone. Um, so I think that, you know, as women we have to be able to stand our ground. Um Uh, of course, you know, we have to, of course, you want to be respectful to others, but at the same time, you have to know when you need to change your tone as well. So, and then I think just being a woman of color, I think that that definitely adds a different um, dynamic to it. And I don't think it adds in every scenario or situation, but there are scenarios and situations where you can just kind of feel it, you know it's sort of like um if you have on have on a pair of shoes and somebody kind of steps on your toe a little bit, they don't really realize they stepped on your toe, but you know it hurts, you know that's kind of like that undercurrent of difference that you feel, and so you know it I know so I know people um, that don't experience, don't experience it often get tired of talking about it, but it is something that is, it's a very real occurrence.
0: Absolutely. It's very real. And I think that's why it's important to keep talking about too, because that's the only way that change is going to happen is being willing to, be tired and do it anyway and keep going yes. because it's important.
1: <laughs> yes, it's so important. It's so important. So I, I appreciate you um, giving me the opportunity to, to talk about it today.
0: Of course. And I love that you mentioned too, just in terms of being a woman in female leadership, knowing when your tone might need to be changed because that's something I feel like is kind of a hot topic that I don't see a lot of people talk about, but I see this from a business perspective all the time where in society today, I feel like a lot of people have this pressure on women to change the narrative and be, be bossy and be, to be assertive and take control and whatever, which sometimes might be taken to the extreme where I see this sometimes where then it kind of crosses the line to just being unprofessional or being rude, you know, where it's like, okay, I get that you want to be the boss, but you also still have to be kind to people and still have to be compassionate and still have to have empathy where it's like women try so hard to change the narrative of I'm not just an empathetic or just a compassionate person where it totally becomes like the other line where you're like, dude, where's your heart? <laughs>
1: right. Yes. And I, and, you know, and I think I, from my leadership perspective, I think that we need to lean into who we are mm-hmm.
0: as I a love person.
1: That. And um, I am, I am okay with who I am. And I am a very emotional, empathetic person and sometimes probably a little too empathetic. Um, But at the same time, i I don't want people to try to take that as a weakness because it really isn't my weakness. It's your weakness. And mm. so, um, so I, I think it's okay to lean into your emotion and lean into who you are. Everybody has them, you know, we don't want to be emotional, but at the same time, we are all, we're all perfectly made in our own way and it's okay to be who you are. And I so i yeah, I've had to learn that over my career.
0: So what advice would you give to women who are trying to balance that who people who are listening to this and really really you know relating to what you're saying and thinking wow me too like I'm empathetic and I really do have this soft spot for people but I'm still trying to be a leader and run something in a very professional and business like way where do you kind of how do you balance those two and where do you find the intersect being between the empathy and when you might have to put your foot down or play hardball a little bit for, you know, for the business?
1: Yeah. So I think that um, one thing that I try to do is do the right thing every day, right? And so then in doing the right thing every day, that means that I understand that people are human beings, but at the same time, I understand that we have an organization to run. So, you know, it it is a unique balance, but it's okay to say no. You can be kind and say no. Um, It's okay to not um, really lean into uh, people and their mishaps, but it's it's okay to listen too. And so I think um, being a good listener and, and, Trying to make the right decision each and every day to ensure that the organization continues to advance is is the side that you always have to lean on, but always mm-hmm. make always understanding. Though we, you know, hospice, we are in the people business. So without people, we we're, we're not we're not doing anything. We're serving people, we're taking care of people, and our people are taking care of one another. So that's how we. That's how I approach it.
0: I love that. On a recent episode of Thrive, I talked with another totally badass woman CEO named Maggie, who shared her thoughts on imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. how she battles that. Is that something that you have faced or faced too? Especially being a CEO, and how do you deal with it?
1: So I, I wouldn't say that I faced that so much. I think that um, I think that I feel comfortable in the work that i do but i think that oftentimes um you feel i feel like people want me to trip up or want me to fall because you know we're doing great work right so you know it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack sometimes i feel but you know i think that um i think that you have to have this uh you have to have a certain level of confidence in thick skin because it is a cool world. People are me. people are me. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I think you have to just find your balance in that.
0: And what helped you develop your thick skin with it?
1: I, I, I'll go back to my faith. I pray a lot. I know God probably get tired of me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, it's just, you know, people are, people are people. And, um, and so you just try to give people some grace and, and keep it moving. That's the, that's really the bottom line is that we have to keep it moving.
0: I love that. They say in the world of social media and what I do every day, bless them and block them. Yeah. <laughs> I like, love
1: that. I love yeah. that. I'm going to do it. Bless them and block them.
0: <laughs> it's like, you're clearly having a worse day than me and you've got your own issues. So God bless you. You need some help, but I'm yes. going to block you out of my life because I don't need what you're bringing to the table. So
1: yes, yes. I love that. I'm going I'm to make sure I, I use that one.
0: I love that. Any advice that you'd want to pass along to aspiring young business women today who maybe they're in college or maybe they're just entering the real world, especially in a professional setting that is wow. And like, unlike anything that we've seen before, I feel like it's so different from when I graduated or when you graduated, it's like such a different world. What advice would you give for women who are like, you know what? I want to be a CEO someday too
1: find what you love. You have to find what you love because you can at some point on the journey, you have to be authentic, right? So if you don't like what you're doing, it's gonna show at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's the biggest thing is you find what you love and you you set your goals and write write down your goals and go for it. Just every day, just make incremental steps to get where you're trying to go. But you have to be authentic and true to yourself, because life. you'll yep, you'll yeah. crumble. You'll crumble. So you don't want to set yourself up.
0: <laughs> life will feel life is short, but it'll feel long if you're doing something <laughs> that you don't like. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for coming on Thrive. I want to close out by asking you a question that I ask all guests who come on the thrive podcast. And that is what does thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life?
1: Wow. So it is really just being the, just trying to be the best me every single day. And, you know, like I said, set those goals and, and keep it moving and just, just embracing who you are and where you are. And keep going. Don't stop.
0: I love that. Don't stop. Make it happen.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: Awesome. Well, where can people find you online if they would like to connect with you further?
1: Sure, Aleo A L L E O Tracy T R A C Y on Instagram, and then um, they can always check out my my Grave to Great website grave to great dot com and the mm-hmm. podcast the Grave to Great podcast. So all, all those mm-hmm. three, we'll love to meet them there. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you.
0: Wait, before you go, if you like what you just listened to, drop us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Lagenza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.